Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Please consider supporting Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, this is Trevor from Halifax calling in to say that I support creative control on Patreon because I think long-form arts journalism is a crucial part of music culture, and there's simply not enough of it out there today. Vish is a master interviewer, he lands great guests, and he has his finger on the pulse of the ever-changing music landscape, both here in Canada and abroad. For all of these reasons and many more, I think you should support Creative Control on Patreon too. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. I'm Bisha's wife, and I will love him no matter what you do. And now he has me on the record saying that. Creative Control with Bish Connor. Dave Allen and Hugo Burnham are each musicians who are best known for being original members in the pioneering post-punk band Gang of Four. Formed in Leeds, England in 1976, Gang of Four featured Dave Allen on bass, Hugo Burnham on drums, Andy Gill on guitar and vocals, and John King on vocals. This fantastic iteration of the band released two incredible albums, 1979's Entertainment and 1981's Solid Gold. Gang of Four would go on to make more records and tour in different configurations, including live shows by its original lineup in 2004 and 2005, before Andy Gill's sad and untimely death in February 2020 due to a respiratory illness, which may have been related to his exposure to COVID-19 before very much was known about the deadly virus. Though Gill is dearly missed by his family, friends, fans, and bandmates, His legacy lives on in the music of Gang of Four, which sounds as inspired and innovative now as it did when it was first unleashed. In fact, Matador Records recently released Gang of Four 77-81, to 
a remarkably designed vinyl box set that captures the band's earliest demos and recordings, its first two albums, live performances, rare photographs, and other contextual ephemera via a 100-page book. While the limited edition vinyl set might be available at your local record store, as I'm speaking to you, it's otherwise sold out. However, a CD version of the box will be available to order on April 23rd, 2021. To celebrate Gang of Four 77-81, I recently connected with Dave and Hugo, and we discussed how Gang of Four came to be and their uniquely egalitarian approach to making music and noises together, how listening to reggae and seeing shows by Bob Marley, Ramones, The Sex Pistols, The Clash, The Damned, and Talking Heads, among others, influenced them and their own approach to making music, the 2020 death of guitarist Andy Gill, and why Gang of Four might still play together again someday, this new 7781 box set and forthcoming Gang of Four reissues, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash Control, with additional support from Blackbird Music, a well-stocked record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary and friendly staff who will happily help you source special orders for hard-to-find titles, which you can learn more about at blackbird.ca. And Massey Hall's concert film series, live at MasseyHall.com, where you can stream dozens of 30-minute films for free, including performances by past podcast guests like Born Ruffians, plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. This is the 609th episode of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Dave Allen and Hugo Burnham of Gang of Four, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hello, Gang of Four. Gang of Four, are you there? Gang of Two. Gang of Two. (laughs) Gang of Two. It's been reduced a little bit, yeah. We're the back row. We're we're the rhythm section here. Yeah, we're the best. One of the greatest uh, rhythm sections of all time, if I might say. Well, thank you, Vic. Very, very very thrilled to speak with you. As a drummer myself, I know what it's like to be in a rhythm section. So I really yeah. am honored to speak with you. And I'm going to, for those listening, uh, let's introduce ourselves. or your, I'm going to introduce you, I suppose. Uh, Dave, are you there? I am here. Yes. Hello. Nice to, to, to meet you, uh, sir. Can you, descri- yeah. can you, first of all, where in the world are you? I'm, I live in Portland. Port- That's where I am. I'm in my living room here, you know, but it's Portland. Yeah. And, uh, I, I can detect it's cold. It's cold, is it? Yeah, yeah. It gets yeah. still a little cold. Yeah, I detect a Portland accent there. Uh, so that's no, 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 no. Me and Hugo are English. Is that right? Okay, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure about that. I was like, is that the Portland? Is that how people talk? Where? Where? How long have you it been? Is, you know what? You know what? You, you actually came across something very well there because uh, it's it's you know Portlanders have a very flat accent. You know, you, you you wouldn't know that they were from Portland if you met them in L.A. or came up to you know Edmonton where you are. Yeah, yeah. You would you wouldn't you wouldn't know they were from Portland. It's it doesn't have an accent. Yeah, I, that's fair. I've had several Portlanders on the show, and I, I think I agree with you. They're nondescript. I don't even remember the conversations. That's how flat they were. No, I'm just kidding. It is uh, It is very nice to speak with you, Dave, and thank you for establishing your, yourself there. And uh, Hugo, are you there? I am here. And yeah, there uh, he is. here is specifically Massachusetts. I live up on the North Shore of Massachusetts, the south side Boston. And right now, I'm not at home. I'm at work. I uh, teach at uh, Endicott College up on the North Shore. And I'm in my office. It's warm, relatively. <laughs> it's going to snow tonight, though, because, you know, if you don't like the weather in New England, just wait three minutes and it'll change. It, yeah, it's, it's exactly <laughs> true. That's the way it is in the Maritimes in Canada, too. I do not sound like a Massachusetts person at all. <laughs> you said... <laughs> 
Uh, if you take away the new in New England, you got the England. That's what you got. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I describe myself as an old Englander in New England. That's right. There you go. There you go. If I may ask, just out of curiosity, what do you teach uh, at the university or the, the well? The I've um, been teaching since two thousand. I started teaching to music and TV and radio students, uh, all the basics of the entertainment industry. And then I started teaching what I call real subjects like English literature and critical thinking and all that sort of thing. Hmm. Um, taught political science. But what I do now for Endicott College is I run the internship program for the visual and performing arts school here. So all the kids who are in doing those majors, I help them uh, manage their internships. I see. Okay, so you're not in the realm of teaching people how to play Music per se. Oh no, I don't teach me. Good God, no! I'm, I'm a drummer, I'm not a musician. <laughs> no, I, I, I do not teach music. Although occasionally they, we have a studio here, recording studio as well as a rehearsal studio. Next week, for instance, I'm sitting in with one of the professors who teaches audio engineering one and two, and he's asked me because my drum kit was in the studio because I go and practice there every now and again. Yeah. So he's asked me to participate in the class, and he's teaching them about. Miking and recording drums. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, my uh, we moved to Edmonton. Uh, I've only been here about a year and a bit, uh, and so I, for the first time in twenty years, I have a drum kit set up in my in my house. I can actually go and bang about if I want to, just play, and it's really fun. Do you get do you do you try to play every day, kind of thing, or? Uh, I I wish I could play every day. I have the intention of playing every day, but then it's suddenly I'm working away. I mean, you know, we work hard here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I look up and it's five o'clock, and it's uh. Yeah, then I, I just I'm done. Yeah. But yeah, during the summer it's much easier because most of the kids are off campus. So um, I do. Yeah, I, I go and play quite regularly. I just bash away or I play along to songs. Yeah. Yeah. So I, don't, I have a kit at home as well, but it's an electronic kit just because uh, it makes too much noise otherwise. Yeah, exactly. That's I had a little bit of that going on every once in a while. I would rent those things, and they're kind of fun, but not as satisfying physically. Like it's not the same visceral you don't get it back at you you know it's in your head i don't like no, it as much no. yeah yeah now uh, before I, I dave i want to ask you i neglected to ask you about your own sort of uh, pursuits why you're in portland but before i get to that hugo you're dealing with uh, a small tiny children uh <laughs> in your workplace are any of them like holy shit the drummer from gang of four is here i gotta talk to that guy do you ever get that not as much as I used to. Yeah. Um, what I normally get about week two or three into it is, oh, Professor Burnham, my dad told me to tell you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's always yeah. the dads, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah. I get that. I get that. Yeah. Yeah, Dave, yeah. you've taught as well, haven't you, Dave? Yeah. Uh, at the uh, University of Oregon. I was teaching there. Okay, so what? So yes, back to you, Dave. What are you doing in Portland, and and what were you before we get to that? Even what were you teaching at the university? At the university was just they asked me to just be there and you know work with the kids. Who, uh, you know, it was really interesting because you get in the room and all the back row is all the guys like the athletes mm -hmm. and they're like you know. Yeah. And they got their computers open, and, and so you know it was really funny. I, I would say, "So are you watching porn now?" Are you guys into that? You know, and then down the front is all all the females who want to do the right thing, like yeah. get 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 interested in me and help them out and things like that. It was good. I, I really enjoyed it. But then I joined Apple, and they said I couldn't do that anymore. So yes. Okay. I had, I had to stop. I had to stop. Yes, you've worked for some major computer conglomerates. Is that what you're doing right now? Uh, no. So it started out with eMusic. Uh, you know eMusic? I'm familiar with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then that went under, and then Intel brought me up here to Portland. And that just is why I'm here. Okay. You know? you okay. Brought me up here. Okay, yeah. nice. Um, and at the moment... We have a thing called Din Workshop with my, my friend Skylar Jessen, who lives in Brooklyn. And we could do all sorts of things. We're working with Splice. You've probably heard of Splice, right? I don't believe I have heard of Splice. What is Splice? Well, if you look it up, uh, splice.com, you know, uh, it's where you can push beats. So you're a drummer, right? Yeah, I am. Yeah. So if, if, if you want to put some beats up on their, on their website, and and some comes along like Kanye West or something. Yeah, you'll get paid. You get paid really well. Oh, okay. 
Sorry, I'm a bit distracted. We, I, I'm, Hugo's got a ruler well, or something. I don't know what he's doing. He's got a ruler I don't know what in he's the doing. screen. Is yeah, he measuring yeah. us? What are you measuring, Hugo? I'm distracted. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know. <laughs> he's trying to measure his penis. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little high. A little high to be that, doing that kind of exam, that self-exam. You're up right, at, right. Anyway, right. sorry. Sorry, Dave. Okay, so you're so, working. No, 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 no. We're good. We're good. So Skylar is based in Brooklyn, and um, there's a big production room that we can help all sorts of artists who own their own copyrights. That's what we do. Okay. It's called Din Workshop. And it's been fine. You know, like Splice has been really good to us. They pay us monthly, you know. Nice. Like they, want, they want us to keep with them. Okay. So that's good. It's not the greatest. Uh, I haven't made a lot of money out of it yet, but at least it's something. You know. I think that's what a lot of people are going through right now. At least I can do something. No, I know. We, I, I know. I mean, uh, like the whole of 2020, I did, didn't really make much money at all. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Well, I want to actually uh, circle back in time. I mean, we are just the fact that we're celebrating this uh, excellent gang of four box set. I, I assume you're doing a lot of this time traveling, if you will, conversational time traveling. And uh, Hugo, I want to start with you in terms of your, your recollection uh, of meeting Dave. And obviously, Dave, you can interject. You can fact check as we go. But Hugo, do you have any recollection? No, no, no. No, no, no. no, 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 no this is good. This is good. Hugo might start. I, bet, um, I absolutely uh, do. It's really clear. Well, um, when yeah. John, Andrew, and I first started playing in April of 77? Uh, 76, 76. Yeah. Anyway, we had a bass player. We did two shows with uh, who was a Chinese studies student who he was there. He didn't gel. And we all went away for the summer. We thought, okay, we, if we're going to do this, we've got to do this properly. Yeah. And when we came back to campus in September, I put up a notice on the. Uh, <laughs> I like that notice. Yeah, on the board at the University Student Union. And it said fast rhythm and blues, spelled R I V V U M, bass yeah. player wanted. Yeah, and, and that I was understood really that. He understood I under- it. I understood that. I knew what that was. And then I came to your house. You came to my house? You remember? And you came yeah, no, out in your dressing gown, and it looked like Elton John. <laughs> was Thank it? you very much. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Dave, I think I lived Dave, on Harold Avenue in, in uh, Leeds at the time. Just to, uh, just to clarify something, uh, Dave, when he showed up in the dressing gown, was he holding a ruler? I just want to make sure... <laughs> Everything was above board because uh, it was all above board. Yeah, because yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. there were people in the streets. Okay, you know? <laughs> just making sure. Very just good. making sure. Sorry to interject. So well, anyway, well. so he came in and started rehearsing with us, and it was obvious in a matter of moments that he yeah. was right for us. And you know, yeah. it's as much about the person as the way they play. Um, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, so, and that's that's the thing. I mean, when we were rehearsing in in the Leeds University room, I can't remember which room we were in. You know, the Tartan Bar it, down at the just, bottom of the Union. Yeah, I know, but it just gelled, right? It just gelled. Yeah. You and I, for instance, you know, we we hit it off really quickly. We did, which was yeah. very lucky because Dave actually was the true musician in the band. I mean, he'd been playing for years, doing lots of different types of music. Yeah. And to be honest, we had to tell him to play less because he could play a lot more than we could. Hmm. So it's like too, less. Too, too many notes. Yeah. Less Jacko, more free. It wasn't Jacko. Now, I'm just curious because you two play together very distinctly, uh, distinctively, I yep. should say, and uh, you know, really influenced a lot of people and the whole band did. But Dave, in terms of your playing, do you have any recollection of what influenced your approach to your instrument i'm just curious because it is very unique uh some would use, some would use the term pioneering but i and i also know that yeah. sometimes when you're in a band you're not only playing the music you want to make but you're kind of playing in opposition to the stuff you don't All like right. you know what i mean i can tell you I, I can tell you what i did was you know the meters the yes. meteor meters yeah the band yeah uh, i love <laughs> yeah. i, I love them and i was living in an apartment on my own in in kendall in the lake district and um, it just came to me. And then Bootsy Collins. Yes. Right. That's why yes. I, I'm a little more funky in a sense. Um, I really like that. Mm-hmm. And it sort of gelled with like the band, you know, like Hugo, I think Hugo understood what was going on. And like Andrew, you know, he, you know, it's like the whole like in and out, in and out and uh, things like that. I think 
what we all understood in in terms of what we gelled around was a quite a percussive way of playing. Yes. Um, rather than just holding or maintaining a beat, you know, Andrew's right. playing was quite quite percussive, and we played in and around each other. Nobody was really supporting anyone else. Right. It was it was all on the front line together. Um, but then uh, there was the whole Chapel Town thing as well when we used to go and listen to all the reggae. Yeah, yeah. Right. Late night shabines, big sound systems. Um, yeah. Okay. So and also legal drinking. Well, also the Jamaicans who flew over from Jamaica with with like test pressings. Yeah. Yeah. That like the yeah. DJs were playing them in the room. Yeah. So, so were you primarily? You mentioned a few people and and sort of forms there. Were you primarily listening to music, or could you see the music that you were uh, excited about? Like, were people coming to your to town? Could you go to shows? Uh, I'm sorry, I'll I'll send that to Hugo. Hugo, were you going to concerts a lot? Absolutely, there were a lot of shows. Leeds, the university where some of us were studying, was one of the most important stops on any UK tour. Um, the refectory, which is an English word for large dining room, in the university. <laughs> made famous initially by Live at Leeds, uh, by The Who. Right. But every major tour stopped there, whether it, I mean, whether it was The Stones, Led Zeppelin, there was maybe a thousand capacity. Hmm. Um, everyone played there. Uh, my first year, I saw Bob Marley. I saw The Commodores. Wow. Uh, the Stiff Tour. The first Stiff Didn't Tour we... came through there. Yeah, that was great. Uh, didn't we see yeah. The Clash as well? They were there? Uh, no, well, the first time we all saw, yeah, The Clash played there, but the first time we all saw The Clash was at, actually on the Anarchy Tour, The Sex Pistols, mm-hmm. The Clash, The Heartbreakers, and The Damned, all, all for one pound. Holy Lord. And that was down in the uh, <laughs> venue at Leeds Polytechnic, which was literally just across the bridge over the uh, freeway, highway, motorway, um, <laughs> from the university, where... Uh, we also saw the Ramones and Talking Heads on their first tour together. Yeah, yeah. It's a smaller yeah. venue, but they, you know, again, very much an art school oriented polytechnic. I yep. mean, great artists came out of there with, you know, Green Gartside with Scritty, um, Frank Toby and Fad Gadget, um, Mark Almond, Soft Cell. Yeah. They were all students there. And then we were up at the, just, you know, half a mile up the hill at the university, you know, whether it was us, uh, Delta Five, Mekons. So it was really a hotbed of shows. There were small shows. There were shows at pubs, um, shows at these Sabines, you know, the, and great dancing. Uh, the, yeah. There was um, one of the university clubs was called the Grand Funk Society. Hmm. And five times a term, they would have a huge dance. It was just like a big disco, but it was all heavy, heavy R&B and African music. And it, just everyone would go. It was all about drinking and dancing. There were a lot of shows that we could go and see, uh, all sizes. So it was great. So, Hugo, you've used the word, uh, the term we several times. Dave, did you attend all these shows? Did the people in Gang of Four tend to congregate and go to these shows together? Were you friends in that regard? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. 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 I mean, I can't remember which shows I went to, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> and and striking, strikingly, I will say, you've cited a lot of uh, artists who are black. A lot of music that was made by black artists. So I find yeah. that fascinating too, because when I hear Gang of Four, I mean, I can't really. I wasn't there, obviously, uh, when you were really at it. I was. I was born in '77, so obviously, I wasn't. Even if I could go to your shows. I would have been probably having a nap. I was a baby, but my point is, uh, was having I don't a nap. <laughs> if I could with Gang of Four playing, probably not. I guess I'm just no. wondering about your peers. You mentioned the Clash, who are among the people you just mentioned. The Clash are contemporaries, but who was making music, Dave? Like Gang of Four, was anyone doing what you guys were doing, or were you influenced by local artists? No, I, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, we, you know, like, you know, when we recorded entertainment, it was like uh, we'd already sort of been on the road. It was like live rehearsals on the road. And then we go into the, uh, what was the studio, Hugo? I forget. Which, uh, well, the first time we recorded was um, oh, the one, in my yeah, brain yeah, 20 yeah. minutes ago. Oh, you mean, the, you mean the little EP, the damaged goods EP? Yeah. yeah. That was at Cargo Studios. Yes. Uh, in Rochdale, near Manchester. It was up in the Apennines. <laughs> right. Yeah, Rochdale. Right. But, but then uh, but we, we did a lot of rehearsing and recording in our own rehearsal room as well. Uh, yeah, that's we, true. You know, yeah. Uh, we started in the university, then it was in a room that the Film Society had 
which was mm-hmm. up above the Fenton pub. You talk about we. I mean, that was the gathering center socially for every sort of artist, musician, LGBTQ, yeah. old people, socialists. And, and the Nazis. And then the Nazis would come and, and the start, Nazis, like, yeah. start beating us up. Yeah. You, think, you would think at this point we could stop talking about the Nazis. Like, this is crazy that we still have to talk about the Nazis. You're talking about an era 40 years ago, and they're still yeah. back. Anyway, maybe a whole... Excuse me. This country still has not ratified the Equal Rights Amendment. Yes, I know. Things we shouldn't be talking yeah. about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm yeah. uh, just going to say, like, when, you know, when we um, recorded um, Entertainment, uh, what, what was that studio we were in? Hugo, we recorded Entertainment in the Workhouse Studio in South London, down on the Old Kent Road. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I was talking yesterday to this guy uh, from the Minneapolis radio station. Yeah. About it, uh, you know, let's say like the engineer wanted to put like reverb on everything. It would never have been entertainment if we'd allowed him to put reverb on everything. Yeah. It would yeah. never sound like it does today. So when you get the box set right now, yeah. it's like 40 years, yes, and it sounds like it was just recorded yesterday. Yes, absolutely. Right. And, and I guess what, it, what we're getting at is a bit of dryness there, like the actual stark yeah, reality yeah. of what what was going on in the room is what we're hearing, basically. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and it was interesting. There, there was like Annie Lennox came in one day because uh, they were doing something down the hallway, you know, in, in like studios at more than one studio. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And she was like like what we would call in, in, in England, like gobsmacked, you know, it's like, wow. You know, <laughs> then there was somebody else who came in. Do you remember Hugo? Uh, the guy who had a number one song. I can't remember his name. Tom Robinson. Yes. Tom Robinson with two, four, six, eight motorway. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. came in and he came in and he almost lost his mind. Right. Well, I, I can say I, I can this all. is something I mean, they would say this is something we've never heard before, you know. Like. Well, I still have a visceral memory, like a sense memory of first hearing Gang of Four after hearing all the bands you influenced and being like, oh, here's where it all came from. Here's where this notion of kind of starting to play, stopping to play to let other people play like. You know, no, like the the minimalism, I suppose, is what we would call it. Like, it's a remarkable uh, approach well, to songwriting. We, we, well, I'll, I'll, I'll pull this back a bit to the, the thought you were introducing a short while ago about, about you know, black music. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Growing up in England, it was far more a part of our whole sort of musical zeitgeist than I think Americans were ever used to. Right. We grew up with reggae infused into everything. Every week on Top of the Pops, which was the weekly chart show on the BBC, reggae was as much a part of pop music as anything else. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We were all very aware of, you know, and then diving deeper into dub reggae, which wasn't pop reggae. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which, which definitely informed our whole dropping out sort of thing and leaving space, so... Right. But then let's talk about the 2005 reunion. Yeah. Yep. Uh, because I was thinking about this yesterday. There was a lot of music critics who said some bands sound just like Gang of Four. And, and, and it was like, no, no, you, you should come to a show. <laughs> so we joined, we did a 2005. How long were we out for? It's quite a while, wasn't it? On and off for about, on and off for about 18 months before I... Uh... Pulled back and out of it. This is um, uh, yeah. this is for the album "Return the Gift," and that featured the original lineup of the band after the band had had different people, right? Well, yeah, the, the band had gone through various iterations, but the whole right. point yeah. was that people wanted the original lineup to go and perform again. I mean, "Return yeah. the Gift" was a sort of side venture. Yeah. We weren't touring yeah. to support the album. That was oh, just okay. a side. Venture. Okay, I see. That was that, that was because you know we were on EMI and we were like years out where you're allowed to redo your own uh, songs. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so okay, we did. Okay. That was return, return the Gift. Right, I understand. So it's very strange to me that, like, like, do you guys feel like the band is sort of underrated on that level? Like, we've talked about, we haven't cited anyone, but I've heard your influence over over the years. Uh, Hugo, mm-hmm. does, does, I mean, you're saying, earlier you said, I don't really hear from the kids anymore, I hear from their dads. <laughs> so but are you yeah no i i, I was being i was being a little facetious um I mean, Actually, yeah, be... you know hugo let me let me talk Go about on. um the dads that when we were in um 
Shepherd's Bush. You remember what was that? Yeah, yeah. What's that? What's that show? The Shepherd's Bush Empire. Yes. And then there's a great photo I have of like somebody up on the balcony, like taking photos like of crowds. And there's all these guys with bald heads like, <laughs> trying to keep their, their, their children, you know, like, don't, well, I, let's not, let's not rush talk, up to the front, you know. But to, seriously, to talk about particularly that tour in 2005, what we found there, that tour, you know, all that touring we did in the States and Europe, yeah. the audiences were split between people of our age and generation and yes. their grown uh, their children yes you know late teenagers kids in their 20s who had discovered it through these other artists who sounded yeah. like us well when so we they when, went to investigate their sources and we were pleasantly well coachella coachella, coachella worked absolutely. really well because trent reznor asked us to uh, like basically open for him yeah and that was a huge crowd there yeah there's a lot of young people who probably had never seen us before yeah because everybody goes to Coachella, you know, it's just like blah, blah, blah. Yes. After that, yeah. then, then we moved up the West Coast and every show we did was totally packed and sold out. We ended up in San Francisco. Uh, two nights. Two, two nights in San yeah. Francisco. And then we went up to... We did Portland, absolutely. Portland, yeah. Seattle, Vancouver. Yeah. 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 But the audiences were really well peopled by people, young and old. Yes, exactly. Well, I yeah. want to I want to dial back into the band dynamic at the time uh, that some of the uh, the records we're kind of talking about today were were formed because we were talking about the way you guys approached playing and uh, we've talked we've alluded to authenticity, you know, not mm-hmm. a lot of artifice within this band. And then when mm-hmm. I was I was kind of thinking about I obviously I've been thinking about the records a lot more in the lead up to this conversation and the kind of stopping and starting that we've been describing where Band yeah. members come and go. When I think about that authenticity thing and that and that and what else was going on in popular music, there's a real interesting ego situation going on in Gang of Four. I find it takes a lot of ego for a musician, or a lot of humility, I would say, for a musician to stop playing. Most musicians overplay; they're asserting themselves. Was that ever discussed on some level? Like, we're all, like, everyone gets a little space. Like, Hugo, do you know what I'm kind of getting at there? Like, that's very fascinating to me, that you gave each other some space to express yourselves. Well, it, was just, it was discussed constantly. Hmm. That's your answer. That's yeah. the answer, yeah. Okay, but it was, <laughs> it was... And, you know, it was far more interesting not to go into the, okay, whenever there's a bit of air, I'm going to hit a cymbal, for instance. Yes. Or guitar solos. It just wasn't interesting. Um, it was from. Right. So was I, far, I get that stylistically. What I'm saying is philosophically, psychologically. Does that does that notion of like spreading the wealth? We don't. You know, I can step back and be comfortable doing that with these three guys. I don't need to be playing all the time. That speaks to a certain humility too. Like I understand what you're saying. It's an aesthetic choice. It's interesting. But Dave, do you know what I'm getting at? Like, was that? Does I'm not trying to suggest you guys are some noble knights that you know like, <laughs> the ultimate the ultimate men. You know, who know how to treat people. But, like, I, I am getting at that a little bit. Like, that takes a lot. When you're young in particular, when you're a young mm-hmm. person and you're playing music. I'm not a young person. Well, when you were a young person. <laughs> I know this from my own experience. Like, you just, you're playing constantly. You're, you're trying to assert yourself and show people that you know what you're doing. For people to kind of step well, back, I think, is very fascinating on some level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like if you were at the live shows, you'll see that that it works out really well. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. It's like, you know, and the audience like it and they'll, if we've stopped playing, for instance, they, they sometimes sing along, you know, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, if it, you look, if you look to some of our significant influences, let's take the English classic sort of blues rock band free. Their music was so much about space and about tension and release. Yeah. 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 And that informed us very strongly. Right. Um, yeah. It did. Okay, so Nobody we had, overplayed there. So we, we had all sorts of folks uh, with us, you know, in the early days as well. You know, REM came on the road with us. Oh, know, I didn't know that. And then, and then turned into like you know uh, a huge freaking 
<laughs> like a pop band, us, ostensibly. Left us behind. You yeah, know. yeah. Well, we've talked a little bit about your dynamic together as a rhythm section. What about your relationship with, uh, you mentioned Andrew, who I, I always think of Andy, uh, and we miss Andy. Andy and I spoke, uh, uh, I don't know, five, six years ago. And it meant the world to me to get to, to chat with him. And, and, and if I may, I know it's been some time, but my condolences to you two uh, for the Thank loss you. of your friend. It it, uh, it hurt all of us. Uh, but I know I, that's, uh, you know, that's that was something that we were not expecting at all. I mean, we knew that he was not well at some point. And then we got uh, an email saying that he, he died in February of 2020. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, I mean, in a weird way, actually, I think, you know, I really miss him uh, when when we were doing some rehearsals in last January at Hugo's um, hmm. studio there in the, in the college. We had, there was a, a female guitarist there and, and, and it was like, it just wasn't quite right for me. You know, it's like, it was like really loud and, and, and it wasn't what Andrew did, you know. Andrew was like what Hugo said earlier. He's percussive. He was playing percussive. Yeah. And um, always when we were in rehearsals, that helped me along. You know what I mean? Well, like those notes. Y- that, yeah. yeah. What were you in rehearsals for in January of 2020, if I might ask? Well, just we needed, hanging uh, out together. Oh, just hanging okay. out together to play it. Because Andrew, Andrew was on the road with his last version of Gang of Four with three session players or people who'd been with him on and off for a while. Yeah. But um, he went to China. Yeah, and he was in China. The the, uh, the three of us wanted to play together and see what it was like. Um, mm-hmm. And we, we, you know, we, we we found a young woman who was really good and interesting. So yeah, it just was it. You- it was the holidays, and we were here. Yeah. John was visiting the states, so uh, we thought we'd see what it was like. Oh, John, John, John was John. involved as well. So it was ostensibly yeah. Gang of Four. Yeah, he was he was visiting here. I mean, you know, we, yeah. we, we we're we're very friendly and social. Yeah, um, yeah. we put a lot of time together. So yeah, we were just seeing what it was like again because we do love to be in each other's company i mean yeah we weren't very kind to each other at times we were very tough on each other musically but we did yeah, well, we loved each we loved each other yeah i know there's something with andrew in that you know what i mean like it's like very very so like, this is where i was kind of coming from earlier when i was stumbling about trying to talk about the ego dynamic four very strong personalities uh, also yeah. at play here. So that's what I mean. When you, when you have four strong personalities, selfishness mm-hmm. can fester. And you guys were the opposite to me, at least in terms of the, mm-hmm. your, your musical approach. It wasn't selfish. It was selfless. It was for the service of the song. And if I have to stop playing, uh, then yeah. I'm going to stop playing. If I'm going to, you know, and we'll play together. Anyway, I, I just wanted to dial back to my, uh, my, frame, my, my question. We've talked about your dynamic. What was it like working with John and Andrew, uh, I think we've covered this on some level, but for you two as the rhythm section to work with that guitar player and that singer, uh, Hugo, yeah. Hugo, what was that like? How did the styles kind of work out? Well, we weren't the rhythm section in that respect. There hmm. wasn't that divide um, that yeah. might be more common. It was like, you know, the four corners of the whatever, the four elements. The way that the Who, for instance, there wasn't a rhythm section and then the two front guys. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, Each element was as important as the other and relied on each other. But yeah, I mean, we fought and we argued about a lot of things. Um, <laughs> but I think any significant creativity between people... Mm-hmm. That, 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 yeah, I mean, you yeah. know, it's an the Kings Brothers, the Who, it, it the, was you know, everyone fights. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was I know, but but it but it was kind of easy, you know. It's like yeah. it, there there was always some there's always some sort of like arguments that we actually could clean up real quickly, you know. It's just like, well, yeah, it's, I mean, it's just four forceful personalities trying yeah. to make the most interesting music we could. Yeah, I mean, Hugo, and I think you're yeah. right. You know, Vish, uh, you you were right when you said it, like four people in a rehearsal room who yes we all had our you know you know what we wanted to do not being selfish but just trying to push it you know yeah get it push ourselves and each other equally exactly yeah Yeah, it's you know hugo you mentioned that there is no rhythm section in gang of four and as you say it i realized that that's totally true in the in the aspect that andy would play percussively 
Arguably, yes. John John sang with a certain syncopation. Actually, like it was all like the whole thing was kind of <laughs> the wor- the the whirling dervish. Yeah, like the whole thing is very rhythm. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it's pretty like, much it's rhythmic. Like, yeah. yeah, that's a fascinating. <laughs> like, we don't really John on stage, you know. Yeah, so that goes back again to our influences and the fact that yeah. we, you know, among other things, we all loved to dance. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know. And that's why we moved, like, uh, you know, Andrew, me, and John were moving around a lot, you know, on the front of the stage. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, Obviously, Hugo's sitting back there with the drums. Yeah. And and it it, it was fine. It was like, it worked. John and Andy would be wrestling or something on stage or whatever. Did they like each other? I can't tell. Did did those two like each other? Uh, they had need, been friends. We, they had been tight friends since they were about fifteen. They went yeah. to high school together. Um, John came up to university a year before uh, Andrew did. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> like brothers. I mean, yeah, I mean <laughs> right. they, they, they they fell out a bit though. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, like one does with brothers, you know. Yeah, I know, I know, but uh, you know, it was like you know, Andrew had like recorded something and not, and then. Uh, licensed it to some record label and didn't pay John. Yeah. You know, there was a okay. lot, there was a lot of stuff going on, you know, it's like, yeah. Okay. Well, we don't have to get mired in that necessarily. It's none of, it's no. certainly none of my business. I shouldn't have even broached it, but I, I'm just curious cause there, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. We, we have, we have, we have sort of portrayed the band as this egalitarian entity, or at least I have, but it's true. There was tension that was driving you, mm-hmm. like tension in yeah, terms yeah. of thought and action as well. The band, uh, yeah. beyond the musical innovation, the band has long been associated with a certain kind of political sort of stance. Uh, and, it was, it was yeah. somewhat political. Uh, you know, we did rock against racism on flatbed trucks in London, yeah. things like that. You had to like move on when the cops came and things like that. And then there was a national front, you know. Well, there's there's capital P politics, and then there's lowercase p politics. If I might, well, that's what we, that's what we were lower lowercase yeah. p politics, and and you know, so like in other words, if you listen to the lyrics and all, it, it's about like it's not about political stuff like Margaret Thatcher or the Labour Party. You know, the, you know everyone thought that we were anti Margaret Thatcher, but she was not in power at the time yeah. when when we did entertainment, yeah. and so. Uh, the Labour Party was making a mess of things. But, yes, the small p, I've always used when people ask me, like, you know, are you Marxists and things? Go, what, what? What? No, we're not Marxists, you know. Um, you know, the small p is like you talk to, you can talk to people and say, well, look, if someone comes to me and says, like, you know, I, I love your album, blah, 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 what should I be doing? Yeah. And I said, well, you know, what do you do? And, and they say, well, you know, I work in, in a record store or something, but I want to go out to the beach and surf. And I said, well, okay, so you can do that. But there'll be something that if that guy who is your boss finds out you've gone surfing, you're going to lose your job. Yeah. So that's that's the small P thing. Right? That's politics yeah. too. I feel like that's that's fair. It, it is small small politics. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. yeah. Hugo, do you have any thoughts on what we're discussing? And also within that, I just want to clarify one thing. Uh, uh, maybe Hugo, you can do this. Like, did all of you have input in terms of lyrics? Like, did you all kind of offer ideas and advice uh, in that regard? Generally, generally, no. There would yeah. be. Uh, tweaking around the edges arguments, but if Johnny's singing it, those were principally yeah. his lyrics. Okay. If yeah. Andy was singing it, those were principally his lyrics. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the one song I sang were mostly my lyrics, but I passed them by John because I wasn't sure about that. <laughs> um, and what song is that? that one, where it's it's her factory. Okay. Okay. So but, I mean the, the that's on the yellow EP, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, (laughs) but i I think dave's point was not so much about party and governmental politics more about politics of people's relationships community community politics in a sense community politics i would say yeah yeah. i mean that's that's really where damaged goods is you know it's like uh you know if you listen to the whole lyrics throughout that song well, it's about all sorts of things. Yeah, you know? and I, Hugo, just to clarify, I don't mean like city council politics. I mean like the the politics of walking out your door. Yeah, walking out your door and negotiating other people, social norms, uh, what to consume, what not to consume, what we're bombarded with. 
I feel like all of that is in Gang of Four a little bit. Like, how do we think critically about these lives we're leading? Would you agree with that, Hugo? Yeah. Done. I did it. Um, I got an A. Yeah, hang on, hang on. Hey, Hugo, Hugo. Hey. You know, when Thatcher had got in and um, there was like, we went to a working man's club somewhere where the cops were on, on all sides. And, and who was it that came with us? That you know, the guy who just gave us uh, a review on, on the box oh, set. Oh, Gary Bushel. No, uh, no, uh, the guy from uh, the guy from. Okay. You, you, so we got an email from him when he somebody dropped it off at his door, right? The box set. Oh. Oh, Grill Marcus. Yes, Grill Marcus. Oh, so Grill Grim- Marcus! Holy cow! Yeah. I know. Grail Marcus was in the in the transit, the maroon transit that, that Hugo had bought. Hmm. And uh, he was kind of like, kind of really, really scared, hmm. you know, because there like oh, yeah, he did, yeah, Molotov he came... cocktails fly, flying around, the, 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 the cops yeah. everywhere, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, Grill had come to England to do a piece about us and the raincoats and one or two other acts. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because that was, that was on the road. The, day, the yeah. day or two he spent with us, we were in something of a incipient riot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For yeah. what it, for what it's worth, Grill Marcus is a hero of mine and was on the show once uh, talking about Bob Dylan many years ago. And so that's weird. Oh, all yeah. these all these connections. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I do want to yeah. get. I want to talk a little bit about what you've included in this collection since you reference it. By the way, did Grill Marcus give this a nice review? Yeah, <laughs> he, just wrote, he just wrote it yesterday. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah. I'm glad. I haven't yeah. read. I haven't read that yet. Let's get into the actual uh, set here and what you've added to it. So, just so people understand this, uh, the two albums featured are Entertainment and Solid Gold, uh, and they've correct. they've been uh, I think remixed and remastered. Is that correct? Not remixed. Not, uh, not remixed. Okay. Remastered from the very original masters that have been kept stored at Abbey Road. Okay. All these years. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So then the other side, or the other sides, I should say, there's a singles collection. There is live at American Indian Center 1980. And then there's yep. some demo cassettes that are super, super fascinating. These are uh, capture recordings uh, made at the rehearsal room in Leeds, which you may have alluded to earlier. Uh, the car- yep. Cargo Studio, the Polydor Studios, and uh, some demos that were made. At Abbey Road, so it's very extensive and interesting, and it also comes with what is it, like a hundred-page book. Uh, is that correct? Hundred-page book full of, I mean, the defining and last word on the lyrics, because over the years, lots of people have printed the lyrics and been wrong or made mistakes. You know, some of them. I, I, there's a couple I only learned about finally in the last <laughs> few months doing this, um, which uh, was funny. There are photographs, official and otherwise. The, there are lovely memories and things from friends, people we used to work with, other artists, um, be they musical or filmmakers or whatever, and even copies of some of the rejection letters we got from record companies back in the day. So oh. it's, it's, it's full and it's fabulous. And nice. it took a lot of work to put it all together. Now, Dave, what was your – I just want to get at your roles in constructing this thing. Dave, what would you say was your particular role – in assembling this uh, new collection? Actually, I, I didn't really have much input in it, to be honest, you know, because John was doing everything in a sense, you know, because, mm. like, the, the box set is recycled cardboard, and he found, because uh, he was he had an office in Copenhagen because when he was working for Vice, I think it was, mm. and he found a guy who was a designer. who Industri- said, Industrial engineer. Industrial yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, he, he was the one who came up with the idea of the cardboard box. And um, if we can get you one, you know, if we can get you the box <laughs> set, you, you'll, see, you'll see how it works. You know, like the, it, it sort of slots together and then you can pull oh. it out. And you, there is actually get- a terrific video of John doing an unboxing um, that That's Matt right, and yeah. I have. Okay, okay. Yeah. And I'll you check can that see out. how it all fits together. Okay. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean – John drove the project. Yeah. They seem to have a lot of stuff 
and did a lot of scanning here. But luckily enough, at the school, we've got all that, you know, in the photo studio and things. Oh, nice. So, you know, and Dave wrote stuff and I wrote stuff and we went to our old oh, friends yeah, yeah. and compatriots to pull stuff together for it. Okay. I did have an input. I did write some Yeah, you did some stuff, Dave. <laughs> Don't sell yourself short, Dave. You did stuff. Now, Dave, I just, Hugo, you were saying at some point in our conversation that there were lyrics that surprised you. Is that correct? Yes. So there are things that yeah. there are things that surprised you. Do you want to cite any? Was there anything that struck you as particularly interesting? No, no, no it wasn't anything interesting. There was a line that I got wrong oh. for forty years, and well, I'm not going to give it away because okay. there is a wonderful writer who's been a great friend for years, whose name we might already have mentioned, who said that he had the same error in the lyrics. You know, oh. Our version of, uh, excuse me while I kiss this guy. <laughs> you'll, you'll read oh, about it quite soon. Oh, no, 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 no. It's, it's Kevin, right? No, 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 Grill. Grill well, and I both that particular line was the same thing. No, Kevin also. Um, it's Kevin Detmar where, where he got Ether wrong, yeah. right? And that's, yeah, why, he he, did. that's oh. why I've got a, a little thing in here that's Mom de Green. Um, you know what that means, right? Yeah, yeah. So you've got, got it wrong. you've got a 33 and a third... A uh, book on entertainment, I assume. Is that what you've got there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ke- Ke- Kevin, Kevin Detmar. Um, you know, he he uh, was at the same school, teaching alongside David Foster Wallace. Right. Oh. And, but he thought ether and rock all, right? Yeah. And he yeah. thought that that was fuck all. <laughs> <laughs> well, to to his credit or whatever, I mean, it can be yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. hard to decipher what John is caterwauling about sometimes you kind of get the feeling if not the meaning all the time if you know what i mean and uh yeah 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 Yeah. so what i was getting at there i suppose is that hugo was surprised by something 40 years later i want to take this to dave dave was there anything about revisiting this material these recordings this ephemera anything surprise you anything you're like holy i didn't know we did that or i this is no 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 you mean you're talking about the box set the set in particular yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, I think because uh, John had also gone to Abbey Road to get the the um, albums. The, the demo um, recordings or? No, no. Oh, no, no, I no, had no, those. No. Oh, oh, okay. yeah. oh, to get it remastered, you mean? Yeah, yeah. remastered. Right. Yeah. There was, I don't think there's anything surprising me in, in, in the uh, albums, you know, because I've got the box set and, yeah. you know, I can play it, obviously. But, you know, the book, the book um, is is amazing. You know what I mean? That that was something that I'm really impressed with. You know, it takes us back forty years. Forty years. Yeah, yeah. And and you'll see in there pictures of like where we used to rehearse. It looked like it just been bombed by uh, you know the uh, the um, Germans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. Well, yeah, you're <laughs> not like, joking. Yeah, that that might have been the it, case. Yeah. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there was huge potholes full of water. Did you say, Hugo, that, that John fell into one once? I think, yeah, I think we fell out <laughs> quite a lot back in those days. <laughs> Hugo, what, I'm most surprised, what most surprises me about looking through all this book is how fantastically good looking I used to be. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Years, Randy telling me I was a fat bastard. You know. Oh, you're you're a handsome, handsome man, Hugo. Don't sell yourself short either. This has now become just an affirmation. Don't call me short. Don't call me short. Affirmation session for Gang of Four. Now I'm just leading positive reinforcement. So my my wife saw pictures of me wearing certain clothes, and she said, "Why do you wear those clothes?" <laughs> okay, so, better than like well it's a it is a remarkable collection and a nice testament to uh this band obviously um mm-hmm. in terms of the scope of it was there any thought to doing kind of a complete gang of four set i understand this captures the original blast and the original lineup but uh, do you plan or do you know if there are other plans to gather the rest of the material that Particularly Andy. Well, okay, Andy. so I can I, I can tell you specifically that as part of uh, the catalogue that Matador picked up will be the third album, Song to the Free, which we made after Dave went off to form Shriekback, yeah. which Sarah Lee played on. Uh, that the 40th anniversary of that release is next year, so I I, see. we are planning some. Obviously, not not as comprehensive and large as this, but it'll be a proper uh, re-release. With re-release plus, there'll be something else with it as well. So, okay, great. Yeah, that, that, that's that's in, that's under underway. 
Okay. Now, Dave, uh, you both alluded to the notion that you got together in January of 2020 just to feel, just to, just to play. And I read something in the biographical information that came with this record, and it was provocative. Mm-hmm. It suggested that Gang of Four may not be totally done. Is that, Was that facetious? Like, Dave, do you think Gang of Four in some capacity could continue or come back and play? Uh, I- yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's what we've been doing. Like, uh, I flew out from here to Massachusetts to get the into the rehearsal room at the college. I, I'm thinking now that, so you guys, Andrew died on February 1st, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Going out in I January, mean, that was a bit weird. Well, I mean, it was, listen, you know, we, we were looking into the idea of doing something again. Um, obviously, last year, everything went to shit for everybody. Um, So whether or not we would be going out on the road became far less important. Right. But obviously the three of us love being around and playing with each other. And, you know, but it will take something quite extraordinary to be able to go out and play um, authentically to find uh, somebody who can in some way, fill in for, I won't use the word replace, but fill in for Andrew and do it in a really interesting and authentic way. So it's a, it's a, it's a tall order, but it's certainly in our wheelhouse of discussion and debate. Well, Mm -hmm. I I appreciate that you mentioned that it was something you had contemplated even before Andrew had passed and, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I suppose it sort of suggests that if Andrew had not passed, perhaps he would have been invited into the fold as well. But maybe I'm speculating. Um, but I guess we mm-hmm. w- we won't know. So anyway, it's it's uh, it's lovely. It's lovely to celebrate this band. And uh, if people want to learn more about this collection, this this set, I should say, uh, Gang of yeah. Four seventy seven to eighty one, and about you yeah. guys generally. I'm wondering if we can point people to where to go on the internet. Uh, Hugo, do you know where the best destination is? That's all records. Yeah, you can buy well, it. If you're in the South, Waxby Records. Uh, it's on Amazon. And, of course, I mean, it is a limited box set. There were only 3,000 made. We okay. quite deliberately did that. <laughs> it's been very successful. I wish we'd made 4,000. But anyway, <laughs> uh, next month, um, John has just finished with the – industrial design as it were for the box that will be a cd version of this there won't be a cassette but everything everything oh. will be in there one way or the other including the book okay excellent well i really am honored to uh, get to speak with both of you and uh uh actually before i i gush and say goodbye uh, <laughs> is there anything you want to talk about beyond gang of four like are you uh dave are you doing something that you want people to know about i just want to give you this opportunity before we go um no not really not not at this time okay of, of where, where we're at in 2021 which was meant to be better than 2020 you know yes and and like you know our you know richard our manager is saying that 2022 we might be able to get out into europe for the festivals oh okay you know Hopefully that the COVID things like gone away, things like that. So okay. so okay. Well, this this year is going to be another year like 2020. You know, it's like just keep going. Yes, yes. And I, I um, you know, this box set has been selling extremely well according to Matador. Yeah, because it's very expensive. Um, <laughs> how much is it? Like what's a bargain? Is it two hundred? I, I think no, no. It's a hundred. I think the list price is one hundred and seventy-five dollars. Oh, that's nothing. No, that's not, that's that, worth it. That's not. Oh, well, I, 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 I think it's. Yeah. I think it. You know, I think it's a very good deal. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, and you know, I, I, I'll sign people's copies for for another five hundred dollars. That's, that's <laughs> good to know, Hugo. Send, yeah, yeah, yeah. Send <laughs> check. Send check to Hugo. Value added. <laughs> Very, very honorable of you, Hugo, to uh, offer that. I am an honorable that. man. Yeah. I'm an honorable man. Do you, I, have, you, know, do you have anything, I, Hugo, that you want to talk about before we go? Dave traditionally has been the one to really dive into and be aware of new music. But, I, I, you know, obviously Run the Jewels we're all very fond of. I, um, I, oh, yeah. I love, I love a, I'm not just saying this, but there's an Indian hard rock metal act called Bloodywood, who I've been actually supporting and listening to for a oh, year and a half. Now. Okay. They're, yeah, bloody would look out, you know, investigate. They're fantastic. Um, Did, were you about to say that you weren't just citing an Indian band because I'm Indian? Is that what you were going to say? 
Uh, I was, well, I suddenly thought, oh my God, he's only going to say this because he thinks I'm Satanist. He thinks Sorry. I'm only saying this because of that. And I'm, I'm just teasing. Just teasing. That's funny, though. I like that you had that catch. Like, should I talk about this Indian band with this Indian guy? Yeah, that's funny. It, you know, would it sound like I'm a panther? Anyway, <laughs> hang, on, when you, wait, hang on, Hugo. When you started, uh, uh, what was it? Run the Jewels? Run the, Run the Jewels. Jewels. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They, they did Ether. They, you know. Yeah, they, they, they sampled one of our songs from Entertainment on, on their new album, which was so flattering and so wonderful. It sounds great. That album um, is. Yeah. That there's album. other little bands that are fun. There's, yeah. a, there's a little punk band from Southern California called The Chonks, who I, again, I sort of follow on, uh, I don't know, is it sound? Anyway, I'm aware, you know, they're, they're cool too. Yeah. Um, the stuff out, I mean, it's exhausting trying to keep up. It is. It's, it's, it's new. It is weirder to try to do uh, sort of any kind of musical discovery without going to shows. Like, that's the thing I keep talking about is like, I used to love That's seeing. Tough. I used yeah. to love seeing how I discovered most bands was opening bands. Like you talk about Run the Jewels. I once saw Killer Mike and LP play a show together, and then right. the next time I saw them, they were Run the Jewels, and yeah. and then so like the first time it was very small, and then the next time like bigger and bigger arenas, festivals, and you oh know, yeah, they've been on the yeah. show as well, and I love them. So it's nice. I, I appreciate that they love you too. That they sampled uh, a song and. Uh, Anyway, it's it's this has been a, a true uh, honor, and I thank you both for uh, making any time for me at all. I hope you enjoyed this, and I I look forward to more Gang of Four stuff in the future. and And best of luck with everything. Thank you, Rich. It yeah. was this was fun to do, and I'm I'm glad we were able to. So thank you very much indeed. Thank you, yeah. Hugo. Thanks, Dave. And me. Yeah. <laughs> right. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks again to Hugo and Dave from Gang of Four for appearing on this, the 609th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you're looking for or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can also like Creative Control on Facebook if that's what your heart is telling you to do. You can also follow the show on Twitter, at Vish Creative, Creative with a K. Or you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Vish Kana. Also visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast. Uh, $6 or more a month grants you access to exclusive content. Although I feel like the site now says $8, but I had set it for 6 Maybe it's some sort of currency exchange thing I, I don't know if it's six dollars or eight but one of the two <laughs> i said i had it set up for six again i'm in canada maybe i'm seeing some weird exchange rate let's just go with six dollars in some currency or more grants you access to exclusive content and uh, again if you're interested in uh, receiving a creative control t-shirt i mention this on the show uh, every week if you, if you want a t-shirt just message me on patreon and i'll get you one while supplies last i still have some so Again, everything you need to know, patreon.com slash creative control. Thanks again to the fine Alberta record retailer, Blackbird Music, uh, which you can learn more about and place special orders at, at blackbird.ca. Also, thanks to live at masseyhall.com, where you can watch beautifully captured concerts by great Canadian artists. And also to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton for their in-kind support for this show. All of uh, the, uh, the aforementioned uh, supporters, I- I've linked to them in the podcast episode description. So if you want to really learn more about them, click on those links and you will be whisked away to their online homes. Speaking of online homes, jimguthrie.org is a great place to go to learn more about Jim Guthrie, who lets me use music for this show and is uh, a sweetheart of an old friend of mine. So there you go, jimguthrie.org to learn more about Jim. And finally, thank you very much for listening to this episode featuring uh, Dave and uh, Hugo from Gang of Four. What a thrill that was for me to get to speak to them. I hope you enjoyed that. And uh, we'll check out this box set, Gang of Four, 77 to 81, uh, in whatever format you can access it in. If you've got the vinyl or can access the vinyl, I would recommend that. But uh, the CD box set is available for order now, actually. You can order it at the Matador site. Again, links in the uh, podcast description. Anyway, big thrill to have uh, members of Gang of Four on the show. I'm glad you uh, listened to this. I hope you enjoyed it. And we'll tell your friends to do the same. Maybe consider subscribing to the show to keep up with it. 
the podcast that is Creative Control. Thank you for doing all of those things. I will talk to you very, very soon. Goodbye for now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.